Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Dee. Uh, today on the show, I have with me the owner and founder of Sozo Seed and Sozo Roots, which are two different applications of um, like the same vision, and the owner and operator of Live Well Cooperative. She is a licensed doula and childbirth educator. We met in college a hundred billion years ago. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Christina Howe. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have you. Awesome. How how are you doing in these times, these wonderful, crazy times? Uh, yeah, uh, I think we're all struggling in our own ways, you know, mm-hmm. it's complicated, but I'm I'm glad I've got my family and mm-hmm. um, we recently moved sort of to the country. Huh. And that's been really nice because we can, you know, go outside and, mm. you know, um, we're not we're not. We haven't been cooped up in, you know, a little apartment like some people have, I'm sure. That's rough. Yeah. Not having an outdoor space uh, has been interesting for me and my wife. Uh, As much as we like being outside, um, not Mm -hmm. being able to just go out. I mean, we have like a, probably like an eight by 10 cement slab right oh. behind our apartment. <laughs> so, I mean, there's not a whole lot. Go out and grill, maybe. Yeah, yeah. There's not a whole lot we can do. And there's a, um, there's like a blackberry tree or one of those berries trees mm-hmm. that you find you know, like scattered throughout cities, like hanging right over it. So when we come out in the morning, there's just a, a swarm of smashed berries that have peppered the whole <laughs> space. <bugs>. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, yeah, it's interesting. Do you guys have, um, uh, like a large plot of land that you guys can play around on? We have an acre and a half and we're in a neighborhood where everyone has acreage. So okay. we still, we did, we thought about getting, you know, 30 acres or something like mm-hmm. that, but I wanted to have neighbors and we didn't need that much. Yeah, space, so. Okay. I okay. love it. Right on. That's awesome. That is awesome. Okay. So let's go ahead and let's get right into it. Um, uh, as the intro stated, uh, we're going to explore a decision in Christina's life and we'll unpack a little bit of uh, who she was at that time, what life looked like for her, maybe even what she may have projected for her future. And then I will write a short story and then we'll discuss it after I read it. Uh, but today, right now, in this moment, we're going to focus on her decision. Christina, what? Um, and you can call me Chrissy, by the Cr- way. Chrissy. We'll do. Yeah. Chrissy. All right. Well, I've, I've had Christina, Chris, Chrissy, but right now, um, for probably the last, you know, few decades that's been the one so Chrissy okay so Chrissy um let's talk about your decision what what is your decision for us um well what we talked about was um what I was going to do after high school okay um, where I would go to school where I would live which I, I don't think initially I factored in moving because I was more just trying to think, do I want to do something with art or with medicine or with law or in the ministry? I really, it was so, my options were so varied and I really, I took tests and personality tests and things Mm. like that. And I really just, you would think I would have a little more clarity than I did at that point, but Mm -hmm. it was, it was really difficult. Okay. Um, so what was the, the biggest motivator for you? in making that decision and not necessarily the one that we're, we're going to talk about, but what you mean, like what to do after high school, what was the, the main motivator for you in those moments when you're trying to figure passion. out what's passion? What do I love? What is, well, what is right? I, I wanted to do what I, I, I believe we are, you know, made to do different things. And so I wanted to do, I wanted to figure out what that was, but I felt like there would be something in my heart that would, you know, um, push me in that direction, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm just pretty, a pretty passionate person in general. So okay. I care, I care too much about everything. So, <laughs> so there are all kinds of things I was excited about. So, okay. um, did you have anything that you did in high school up until that point that was your passion that perhaps you were trying to start something new or move on to something else? 
or because uh, like coming to that crossroads, um, did you have anything behind you that was pushing you in a direction? Um, sure. I mean, uh, I'd, I'd done art all through high school and taken every class there was to take. Mm-hmm. And I had been an aide in, in the art classroom when I ran out of art classes to take and just needed to get some credits in there toward the end. Um, I'd been involved at church and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I thought, you know, do I want to be missionary? Do I, mm. What do I, you know, I, I knew it. I, I've always loved to help people. Okay. So that was there. I have an interest in, um, like, I always loved the life sciences and things mm-hmm. like that. And at that time, I enjoyed arguing. Um, <laughs> so that's my be. And I liked, you know, like, debate and psychology. Oh, counseling or psychology. That was another thing I was thinking about doing. Okay. I've even forgotten some of the things. I just, I just remember there was a lot. Like, so, I feel like if I could live five lives, yeah. how different. And I guess this, that's what this is about. But I've thought about that, how mm-hmm. different they would be. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the, the decision that is up in the air is what to do after high school. What did you choose to do after high school? I ran away to Dallas. You ran away to Dallas, uh, from ran away from from Gulfport, Mississippi. So I, I grew up on the Gulf coast of Mississippi, about an hour and a half east of New Orleans. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Katrina, where Katrina hit. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. Did you go back home after that happened? Or go back to that area after that happened to... I was kind of there see- right before it happened, and then I could not recognize it the next time I came. I mean, wow. all the landmarks, buildings, I mean, mm-hmm. there were things across the street from where they should have been. There were places where there was just nothing. Wow. And there used to be these big, beautiful oak trees right across from the beach. And, I mean, very old trees mm-hmm. that were just gone. Wow. Well, it's when, so just after Katrina, I went with a few friends to a part of Louisiana, uh, just north of New Orleans, uh, to visit for uh, a crawfish bowl. And what blew me away was how intermittently the storm hit, because there Mm -hmm. would be intact house, intact house, gone, Mm -hmm. intact house, partially busted up. And it was just, it was, it was nuts. Um, mm-hmm. seeing how just randomly it chose to devastate and who was spared, you know? Maybe a tornado and, you know, because there are like tornadoes in the hurricanes, maybe something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so that. it was, it was, it was quite, quite a, a sight to see. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what drew you to Dallas? Um, well, I had visited Christ for the Nations, a Bible college in mm-hmm. South Dallas, um, a few, maybe it was just months prior and I'd had some friends go there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at the end of the day, I think I chose what got me out of Mississippi. Okay. And I didn't necessarily hate Mississippi or anything like that. I just wanted to leave. Gotcha. Okay. So the, the biggest part of, of that was what can get me out of here and not even necessarily <laughs> how far away can I go? It was just, I, I want to go on okay. to something else. I can't be here. Well, and I, I, I think I'd been going through like, I don't belong here kind mm. of thing anyway, but I just, I wanted to start new. I wanted to, I had not had a great time the last two years in high school. Um, right. And I just wanted to leave. Gotcha. Um, so going to Dallas, did it, did it end up doing for you um, what you had hoped getting away yes. to Dallas? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I loved it. I made the best friends I've ever had, and I still have a lot of them. Really? I, um, I, you know, I'm a thinker, and I'm passionate, and I think I am always probably going to feel different in a lot of ways, but as much as I could feel like I belonged anywhere, I guess I yeah. felt like, I guess there's just more there's more diversity in an area like Dallas, you know, yeah. just all kinds of people. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I found my people. Yeah. Uh, so there's, I never went back. so there's a conference in Portland where a bunch of creatives and entrepreneurs get together and it's meant to be like, um, just a, a place where people are surrounded by other 
like outside the box thinkers. It's called yes. WDS, the World Domination Summit. And like they do things like they try and break a Guinness Book of World Records every year. So like they had the largest yoga session in the world ever. They had uh. like uh, the largest uh, breakfast in bed where they had mattresses all over this park oh, and people it. showed up in pajamas. And, <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's, it's meant to be that. So I can, I can, I can connect with you on that. The idea of, yes. yeah, just feeling They're like, different people. Mm -hmm. yeah. do, I mean, it's risky. Yep. Um, you have to have a certain personality to, to even attempt to do something like that. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. And so yeah. they're the, a big thing for them uh, is they say, I'm, I'm find your tribe. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if I'm understanding you, you, you felt like you were a, a woman without a tribe and then mm -hmm. making your way to Dallas, you ended up finding, finding mm -hmm. your people, mm -hmm. some of your friends for the longest time. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the crux of this experiment is essentially, um, life without those friends. Right. Because if you choose anywhere else, you don't meet them. You mm -hmm. They don't speak into your life the way that they have. And mm -hmm. you guys, you know, it, granted, you'll probably find other people. Right. That mm -hmm. would have, you know, filled that role. But it's 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 going to be interesting seeing what what other Chrissy might have experienced. So mm -hmm. that being said, um, when when you made it to Dallas, um, it was to attend CFNI, correct? Yes. Okay. So you make it to Dallas and once you get there, let's say six months in, are you convinced this is where you're supposed to be and you, this is where you're going to stay? Um, I didn't, I don't think, well, let me think. When I first got there, I just laid down on my bed and went to sleep because it was so much. I knew, I knew that everything was going to be different, that it would yeah. never be the same. But it yeah. didn't take me probably a week or two before I was like, I am never coming home. I am not going for Christmas or Thanksgiving. Oh. <laughs> this is where I belong. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I ever worked through like, well, maybe, maybe someday, you know, I'll go sure. to DBU after this. But, okay. Um, it was a little dramatic there in the beginning. Gotcha. I was just so relieved. I felt so free. Yeah. Well, t tell me about what, um, what about home made you feel constrained or what, what, what were you, what, what was feeling like it was holding you back? Um, I had changed schools every two years after elementary school and oh I, goodness. I did well at first and I made friends and I was happy, mm -hmm. but you know, by the third time, for, I was it was my junior year I was just done wow. and I didn't feel like I had a lot in common mm -hmm. with a lot of people I had become a Christian at that point mm -hmm. and I there's not a whole or there wasn't a whole lot to do there other than you know party and drink and stuff like that sure. and at that point I didn't want to do that stuff anymore so there was just nothing for me to do so wow. I was just super lonely and ah that's a bummer uh, was yeah. was the moving around motivated by anything in particular or did your family just pick up and move? We were in the same house. My mom just felt for different reasons that we would be better off in, you know, the this school. Well, first, yeah, and just at one point, one of the schools had been small. They were all private schools. One of them was a, sm a very small school when it closed at, oh, at, um, gotcha. okay. when I started high school. In. So gotcha. I went to public school. For the, my, the first time, my last two years. Wow. Okay. How was that? How, how was, how, I mean, tell me, what, what was your experience in the difference between the collection of private schools and then now you're in public school? It was just big and there were more different types of people there, I guess, but mm -hmm. um, I just didn't find people I connected with. I mean, they're just in the Dallas area and in Texas in general, I found that I've connected so much more easily than I mm. did even in that large school there. But I mean, I was still myself. I was mm -hmm. outspoken. I was kind of nuts. I mean, the kinds of things I would get <laughs> up and, and say, and yeah. I mean, I would pray with people in the kiln room. Mm -hmm. I would say, I mean, gosh, in science class, I'd say crazy things. And <laughs> once we were in a health class mm -hmm. and I had talked the teacher into letting us watch this video on abstinence oh. And um, she left the room, so everybody started talking, and no one was watching it anymore. And I stood up in front of the class, and I said, hey, guys, I really care about you, and I think it might be helpful if you'll watch this, <laughs> this video. Uh, and they were all quiet for, like, oh, wow. two minutes after I said that. I was insane. Yeah. Like, I just, 
I mean, I was new there. I just, but I think I probably had a disconnect with like how I was perceived. I was just like, mm-hmm. well, I care about you. And I think this is true. So if, of course I would say it. And right. I just didn't, I don't know. Wow. Okay. So you were, you were gutsy, super gutsy and <laughs> okay. something. Yeah. <laughs> something. Whatever it is, I, I think I still am, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But so um, I, I'm sure those weren't the last people to think I was a little crazy. Yeah. Wow. Um, so CFNI has, um, the main two year program, plus it has a third year option. Did you stay mm-hmm. there for three years? No, I just went for two and I was going to transfer to DBU and probably do like art therapy or something mm-hmm. like that. That was my plan. Okay. Um, what, when, in, what ended up happening? I got married. Oh, Instead, and I said, I'll take off a year to get married and then I'll go. So we were 20. We were both 20. We're like, our birthdays are about a week apart. We met at TF and I. Okay. Um, And then I, (laughs) he was told as a child that he had about half a chance of being able to have children. And Uh I wasn't worried about that. I thought that it would be fine, but I also didn't want to not try for five years and then try for five years, you know? Yeah. Uh, So we just didn't really try not to. And so anyway, I was pregnant immediately. Oh, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So at our first anniversary, we had a six week old. So, wow. and then, and then, so we had our, our first, our kids at 21 and 23. And so I, I, at one point he tried to go back to DBU and it just didn't mm. end up working out. So we just did, we just ended up doing other things wow. and then, okay. I, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, what, did he go to CFNI also? He did. He did. Okay. So he, he I was there at the same time as him. Um, yeah. I wish I remember. You, did you play or sing? Didn't you do something? No, something? I was in um, the 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 drama. That's what uh, it was. What was it called? Cre- create, creative musical drama. I was okay. in that. I was in that. Um, so he was on the praise band. He played drums. Oh, did he? Okay. He was friends with like Ryan Flanagan, yeah. Chris Stratemaker. Interesting. Um, Cole Haley. I just I I remember. I remember only three. There were a whole bunch of like toward the end. There were a whole bunch of people that joined the the different teams and such. Mm-hmm. And I remember for me there was a point where I was like, okay, I want to play music. Um, cause I had been playing percussion and drums for a few years at that point. I was like, I want to play music. So I tried out, I tried out and I made one of the teams. And then when I told the person in charge of, of the drama program, I was like, Hey, I made one of the teams. So there might be times where I can't, um, I, I can't be here or whatever. Uh, they got really upset with me and they're mm-hmm. like, well, you said that you were going to be a part of our music program, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh. Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I haven't you have you haven't actually appointed me to any position on this mm-hmm. on this musical part of the team, so mm-hmm. I was making myself available for other stuff. But I'm happy to to be a part of. It. So I I did not join the any of the the musical teams in in favor of playing music for CMD, and I literally never was appointed to any musical Ugh. position at all. So I mean, it's. There was one of the one of the few lessons I took away from that school is there is there is no person that you will ever meet that will live up to your expectations. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's important to take everything in stride, trust people to a measure, but don't mm-hmm. hold them to expectations that are too high, because I mean, and this is something that I employ when I'm meeting new people. I like to depending on the role that we're doing, I'm like. I just want you to know I'm going to let you down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you down at some point. I'm going to forget something. I'm going to be selfish. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you down. I'm going to try not to. Until they, to know. Yeah. You know, just- I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to try not to, but I will. So mm-hmm. um, that is one of the lessons that I took away from, from my time yeah. at CFNI. And, and yeah. And I've, I've tried not to be bitter about, you know, things that I felt like were affronts to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so in your time at CFNI, um, uh, and the idea of going to DBU maybe to do art therapy, uh, was there anything else that was stirring inside you, um, 
to pursue that maybe was detoured by starting a family at, at 21? Well, I mean, I don't know. Let me think. The family thing, all my life, that's what I've wanted. Okay. To be married and to have kids. I mean, as a little girl, mm. I had, you know, the baby dolls and all that. Mm. And that was, that was my thing. That was, mm-hmm. so trying to think. I mean, I, I started doing some music stuff at okay. CFNI. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really remember thinking about DBU a whole lot, even when I was there. I was so immersed in that experience mm-hmm. and just, you know, feeling so connected. And I had so much fun. I think mm-hmm. I had more fun there than I've ever had in all my life. Not wow. at school, but, you know, with the people that I met at school. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, so wanting a family was a major motivator for you just in life period. Um, having your first child, Mm -hmm. what, was there a level of satisfaction that you experienced or did you, um, did you struggle with the idea of, okay, now I have my baby. Now what? Oh, I, I struggled. Um, I had postpartum depression. Okay. Um, and I didn't know it. I Mm. thought my personality had changed and I had just become terrible. I, um, it was all very disappointing to me, actually. (laughs) I have a a painting called postpartum depression where I like have this darkness hanging over me. I wrote a poem where I describe myself as a frizzy haired dairy cow. Oh my gosh. I was so young and I got stretch marks and I just, I gained weight so quickly and I had always, I was so cute before that. And so it was all very, it crashed on, mm. uh, on me in a way that was very unexpected. I was not well prepared for it at wow. all. Um, okay. I mean, I moved through that in the years to come. I remember just praying and thinking, what have I missed? I could be going and having fun and doing this and that, but I'm home because I, I chose to stay home with her. Um, and I'm so bored and I mm. hate cleaning and all this. Wow. And I remember praying, I want to feel satisfied with what I'm doing. I want to love this. I want to see that there is love and something meaningful in all of these practical things I'm doing, yeah. like giving a baby a bath or wiping a butt or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I need to, because I've always been big on deep meaning. Yeah, sure. And in the months that followed, I did find just the most satisfying, um, I, I found satisfaction in those ordinary things because I saw the the love that could be behind them and how impactful that could be mm-hmm. on other people. Yeah. To make someone a meal, you know, with love, something mm-hmm. that's healthy and something that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, just, and, and, and that, sh- that shifted everything, but that okay. took a little yeah (laughs) i was very disappointed yeah (laughs) okay um did you end up finding your way through that um and into any hobbies at the time and when you were kind of making your way out of that um that bout of of ppd i started painting again a little bit Mm -hmm. i have a painting behind me of me nursing my daughter um my firstborn and um I've always written on and off mm-hmm. poetry or just journals or whatever. But um, the, the arts and, and self-expression have always been important to me. And that sometimes I lose, I get away from, you know, specific ways of doing that, like painting. But I, mm-hmm. I always find something. I don't know how people live when they don't have some creative way outlet. Of ex- right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, so you did some painting. You've done writing throughout. Um, okay. Okay, so you said that you're you've always been interested in deeper meaning. Have you been able to identify the the most significant part of your desire to escape Mississippi? Um, I think, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I mean, there was also a boyfriend situation going on there. I had hoped... That we would get married. I mean, I, I wanted to get married the day I turned 18. I mean, that's, yeah. I didn't think about like the financial impact that would have or anything mm-hmm. like that. At that age, it wasn't until I was probably in my mid 20s that I really had that kind of sense to think practically. Sure. I was okay. very led by passion. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it was sort of at the end of that where I realized nothing was ever going to come of that, that I was like, uh, I want what I, I, I want what I want. I need, I have a need mm-hmm. to make connections with people and to do something meaningful. And I just didn't feel like it was going to happen there. Okay. Not for me. Gotcha. It's a beautiful place. Amazing food, wonderful people. You turn on your blinker and they slow down so you can get over. Mm, okay. It's just not where I belonged. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but part of that was also you wanted to get away from this like relationship that didn't end up going where you had hoped. Yeah, I think doing something dramatic to to you know acknowledge that that was never going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's funny is he actually came to CFNI the next year. Right. But. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All righty. Um, and was, was that awkward for you? Seeing him at, at the school that was no, your oasis? No, because I am so relentless. I think I was still thinking maybe it would work. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, he's here now. I knew it. I knew it was going to work. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but when did you when did you start dating um, Brandon then? Um, so that was the beginning of my second year there, and I was only there for two years. Right. Um, we just hung out as, as friends. He hung out. He was roommates with Brian Flanagan, mm-hmm. Cole Haley, and Chris Rademacher, and Chris introduced me to him. Chris and gotcha. I were friends. Okay. And um, so we just started hanging out, mm-hmm. you know, in a group as friends, and I just thought he had it. He was funny and he had a great smile and, ah. you know, so it, I, and I love that because we weren't, I think sometimes, and I wouldn't even know I'm saying this, like I know because I've never dated, like I went from like, I loved everyone I was ever with, which right. was like three people in my life, but <laughs> <laughs> I know, I've never like, and I was so young, you know, I was yeah. 20 when I got married. I've never been on like dates, but yeah. I was going to say, I love that we were um, just friends first. We didn't, you know, we weren't trying to impress each other, right. you know, we sure. were just who we were and we had fun and we knew that we connected on that level. And, wow. And I love that. That's exciting. Okay. Okay. So what, um, being somebody connected to artistic expression, uh, what music were you into when you were finishing up high school and making the decision to, to leave to Dallas? What music were you into? Okay. So this is kind of, weird though because I was into some very um very I would say legalistic you know church situations where you were discouraged from listening to anything Mm. that was not faith-based but prior to that okay um I liked I mean I liked a lot of popular stuff but I'm trying to think of some of the I had Alanis Morissette I liked Alanis Morissette I'm trying to think of some of the CDs that I had Mm -hmm. I liked Tom Petty oh wow um, old Aerosmith um I've always liked folky stuff I love acoustic guitar and finger picking and things like that I like earthy sounds okay um, I remember I liked Jennifer Knapp. I probably no one knows who she is. Oh, Jennifer Knapp. Yeah. She had a deep, raspy, and mm-hmm. she played guitar. She was so cool. Yeah, she was like the... For for a while, she was like the hottest um, like singer-songwriter <laughs> Christian artist at the time. Yeah, yeah, Third Day, that was one of the Christian ones that I finally got into, but right. I, I, like, I liked stuff from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not as musically cultured as my husband is, who is a musician, so. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, so if I was going to nail down a, a couple of genres, you like folk music or maybe, uh, did you like bluegrass at all? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So some, maybe some bluegrassy, some folksy stuff, but also. old country too. Old country? Like okay. Like Garth Brooks kind of stuff. Okay. But it was like, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of this was heavily like 90s to early 2000s. Like what was relevant to that time period? Because um, like some of the, like Aerosmith came back with um, the song for the Armageddon movie that mm-hmm. really kind of put him back. They had, they did that, um, do like that collaboration with Run DMC that uh, really saved their 
like they were waning pretty hard from what I remember and that duet saved them. So, I mean, it makes sense, but it sounds like about that time, some folksy mm-hmm. stuff, uh, even Jennifer Knapp was like late nineties, early two thousands was when mm-hmm. she was like at her peak of popularity. Okay. I got old Madonna stuff that I like. Yeah. Um, so are you, are you still, um, as, uh, closely connected to the idea of like, faith-based music only no no let go of some of that okay i i mean i think i i walked through a lot of just legalism and being more black and white i think the older i've gotten the less black and white things are to me Mm -hmm. okay Um, so for those of you i'm respectful of different viewpoints but that's where i am okay uh for those of you listening that don't fully understand what we were talking about legalism. Legalism is a term used to describe how closely um, evangelicals pursue like the letter of the law insofar as uh, I want to say usually it's um, how they act at church and then what they do with their time at home. So uh, entertainment has to be predominantly faith-based music, for example, what you watch on TV, movies, how you spend your time. Uh, you have to follow the letter of the law, um, which, I don't know, it, I, I think it lends itself to a performance-based uh, religious pursuit instead mm-hmm. of kind of enjoying like a transformative experience where you, I don't know, find the beauty in creation and kind of walk through that sort of thing well there's so much you know you can do just so on the outside but it doesn't mean that you mean it that there's anything real happening Mm -hmm. on the inside and i'm i'm all about genuine Mm -hmm. being genuine gotcha okay and just you know i mean in in art you see so much beauty just in humanity and Mm -hmm. in in the hard stuff and the ugly stuff yeah what's raw and mm-hmm. and where and if art is you know is or involves self-expression you're going to get a lot of that because right. there's so much brokenness and mm-hmm. but i think there's beauty to be found there mm-hmm. i agree um so speaking of have you has it been your experience throughout all the years of being a part of church communities have you found that um there is a permission to experience brokenness or has it been more so everyone is ad- admonished to um, walk in healing or walk in this righteousness yeah. or walk in, you know, and not really um, focus on the measure of brokenness without shame that, you know, we might experience just right. I've as seen being both. human. Have you? Okay. I am drawn to what is real. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a good faker or a good liar or anything like that anyway. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I, I've never really fit in where I'm, you know, where, where you're supposed to be perfectly okay all the time. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's funny. There's some of the experiences that I've had where uh, people get like really upset that they might be experiencing some form of negativity in their life. Right. They feel like cheated or they feel like lied to, or they, they bought into the idea that, um, like once you place your belief in someone or something that everything else just falls away. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of, and this is something that I've experienced like lately, uh, in social media, especially is, um, with, we're in the midst of a a quarantine and we're in the midst of a lockdown. Some of the, the the governmental orders are, okay, everybody stay home, right? Mm -hmm. Don't go out, don't meet, don't go out, don't meet. Um, and so a lot of people I know are like angry, and, you know, uh, aggressive with the idea that they can't go to church. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, I always want to talk to people I'm like, okay, so like, but the two hours on that Sunday morning, that's, that's what you're fighting for. What about the rest of the time? You have all the other time to like live out that walk, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate that there's a need for community. Absolutely. But can we evolve? Number one. And number two, is it not our place to suffer right in the name mm-hmm. of Christ. I feel yeah, like I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So the idea that oh, oh no, this inconvenience is stealing away the value I have in my relationship or my religious pursuits 
um, instead of adjusting and, you know, just figuring out how to live in this new time with these new parameters and still being able to, you know, walk that out. So, um, I think it's complicated and mm -hmm. I can see different, you know, different perspectives and different, different concerns, mm -hmm. you know, that we could each point out or, or focus on mm -hmm. or maybe overlook in when, when someone else has a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I appreciate perspectives. I just think that when there's, uh, when there's what seems to be like an utter breakdown, right? <laughs> and it it kind of devolves into this temper tantrum instead of, all right, now it's time to be creative. What can mm -hmm. we do to solve this problem? You mm -hmm. know what I, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's it's it has been an, an interesting time, but I but I love the idea of people being able to recognize and own their brokenness mm -hmm. so that they can walk in it to find their way out. You know, and mm -hmm. they can like work on actually being uh, finding ways to like engage so that they can, you know, walk in healing versus beating themselves up because, you know, they have a bad attitude about this or that. Well, and it's not like, you know, we have to experience the hard things in order to work through them and release them at some point. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't feel it, you never really do heal or recover mm -hmm. or you know, find your new normal or whatever. If, yeah. if as soon as we feel something that doesn't feel good, we push it down, it doesn't go away. Right. Yeah, we've, we've got to feel the hard things and work through them. And it's mm -hmm. hard. And I think it takes courage to do it, but we can't just pretend like it's not there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can, but it's going to come up in one way or another. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Um, going back to your decision, were there other places besides Dallas that you felt were drawing you? Um, I think I had, I had been on, done a little bit of mission work in South mm -hmm. America and off the coast of South America. And so I sort of, I think I glamorized the idea of being a missionary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was never for me. Yeah. I know now, looking back, it was, but I, I, <laughs> I think I was just, I had so little self-awareness at that point. Mm -hmm. but, but but other than that, no, um, the, the art school, I had a scholarship to do art there on the coast. There was a private college. I don't even remember what it's called now. I've been away for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's probably what I would have done is gone on, there on the coast of what, um, Mississippi. Oh, okay. So yeah, where I lived, it was local. Gotcha. Okay. So there was a local art college that was an option for you going to Dallas. You had romanticized the idea of being a missionary in, uh, yeah, but that would have never happened. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I there wasn't, or I would have gone to Dallas. There was nothing else. That gotcha. Was really okay. So there wasn't, there wasn't any other place that was like, Hey, here's an option. Come. Check I don't this out. think so. If I'd found someone I wanted to marry, I might have. I was kind of pathetic. I would have probably <laughs> gone <laughs> wherever. Okay. <laughs> but I, yeah, I can't think of anything else. Okay. All right. So not motivated. Okay. Two to go. I'm, um, I'm taking notes so that I can, you know, figure out. Um, okay. Um. I think, I think that's about it. Is there, is there anything else that, um, is like sitting in the back of your mind that you're like, Oh man, we, I hope we get to talk about that or whatever about that time. Or do you feel like. The, the I did have a thought that okay. I think influenced the family thing. And that okay. was, that, um, I remember I have this vivid memory of myself at seven or eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a stepfather at that point. Um, mm. My parents had been divorced when I, uh, they got divorced when I was around two. And I remember like the reality that I did not live with my dad and that I never would mm. just came that uh, some, I was able to recognize what that meant in a deep way. And I just remember just weeping, just sitting mm. there, just so heavy and just feeling broken and feeling like because my family wasn't all together, my mm -hmm. mom and my dad and me and my sisters, that I would never be okay. Wow. Okay. I mean, I think I believed a lie probably at that yeah. point. And just, and I think that what we desire is closely tied to what we fear. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we want something, we want it, we want it, and we're afraid we'll never have it. And then when we have it, if we're still living in fear and being driven by fear, we fear we're going to lose it. And so we yeah. never really even get to enjoy it. And, um, but I, I just remember that, uh, 
I think that that was a lot of why I wanted a husband and children. And I'm kind of a hobbit anyway. I'm an Enneagram six. <laughs> um, if you're familiar with the Enneagram at mm-hmm. all, are you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm counterphobic Enneagram six. So I look like an eight a lot of the time, but I'm not. Wow. Okay. Um, so I like food and to be com- and fuzzy socks and mm-hmm. wine and laughing and yeah. I don't want to go on roller coasters and I don't want to like <laughs> swing from ropes. Gosh, I remember being a kid and being on like three whalers with other people and being like, why are our parents letting us do this? It's so stupid and dangerous. I can't wait until I'm old enough that I don't have to pretend that this stuff is fun. I hate it. Oh, wow. That's so funny. So, so anyway, simplicity, relationships, really being able to authentically connect with somebody else. I don't want to talk about the weather mm-hmm. for too long, all that kind of thing. So anyway, I had that that memory popped into my mind and probably gotcha. influenced that desire that I okay. have always had. Okay. My, my wife is, she's a four, but she also <laughs> hates like small talk. Mm-hmm. hates it oh, she's yeah. like it gives yeah, me anxiety yeah. small talk is is a waste of time i hate it it's like, always a waste of time exactly mm-hmm. yeah so she, get, like she gets mad can't handle that. right she gets like annoyed at people are like hey how's it going she's like i don't i you don't care and i don't care to talk you through it you know sort of thing <laughs> i love it those <laughs> so are the best i love people like that though because mm-hmm. you can just get all the you know the nonsense out of the way out yeah. of the way and be like this is who i am who are yeah. you i can yes. handle it yeah that's that's exactly the, the type of person she is. That's so funny. Okay. So this is, this is a, that's a really good nugget to have, um, at seven or eight, like coming into that realization, whether it have been rooted in truth or rooted in fear. Um, but as a, as a major motivator pursuing family at all costs, because mm-hmm. that is the only way to be okay. Okay. And even when it was stupid and when I was making myself very pathetic. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, was I mean, luckily, luckily, you know, luckily it worked out. It worked out. <laughs> you met a boy who tickled your fancy. You guys connected and have been together ever yeah. since. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All righty. So that being said, it looks like we are coming to the point where we're going to take a quick break. We'll listen to some music, and then when we come back, I will read the story, and then Chrissy and I will have a chat about it. Please stay tuned.
Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, again, I'm here with my guest, Chrissy, and um, you can find her at livewellcooperative.com. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that right now before we get into the story? Okay. So I have a few businesses that just involve various things in natural medicine and mm-hmm. with essential oils and things like that. Um, okay. That particular one has to do with um, an essential oil company that I gotcha. okay. um, work with. Okay. Okay. So, um, uh, I remember reading on you and you, you're certified in a few things, uh, as mm-hmm. a doula, aromatherapist. Uh, was there another that I'm missing? Uh, childbirth education. Childbirth education. Excellent. So that is my guest. You heard our interview. Let's hear other Chrissy. Let's get right into it. As the darkness of the early morning abates to the creeping of the sunlight, Other Chrissy's toes are met with the bright, warm, orange glow of the sun. Standing a few feet from her bedroom window, the light exposes what's hidden in the dark. Other Chrissy. Her athletic shorts are hiked up to her belly button, over which hangs a t-shirt two sizes too large. As the light ascends her tiny frame, it lands on her determined face. Her brow furrowed, her chin tucked slightly down. Her hands ball into fists, rest at her sides, ready. She bathes in the warmth of the sun for a few moments longer. With a hearty exhale, she stomps over to her shoe rack, grabs her comfy sneakers, and laces them up tightly. She raises her knees one by one to her chest, humming softly to herself. An alarm clock goes off in a room down the hall, 5.35 a.m. Other Chrissy's eyes widen, and she darts to the front door. Her mother catches a glimpse of her tiny daughter flitting toward the door and calls out sleepily, Other Chrissy, what are you doing? I'm going for a run. Since when do you run? Sweetie, go back to bed. No, I have to run. I have to. I don't have what, I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, Okay, honey, Uh, just be careful. When will you be back? I don't know. The front door swings open and then immediately slams shut. The echo of the concussion booms through the the quiet house. The front windows rattle for a moment before settling back to their usual silence. The library is abuzz with students settling in for their afternoon study period. Other Chrissy settles into a chair at an empty table. She retrieves from her full backpack two letters. One was for a school uh, in University, Mississippi. The other was for a school in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Both letters weighed heavily in Other Chrissy's hands. She placed them down, face down, on the table and began shuffling them. Hey, LC, what are you doing? Uh, resounding shh bombarded the young man from all angles. He shrugged his shoulders and formed a smile, just small enough to form a tiny dimple. Whispering, he reiterates, Hey, O.C., what are you doing? I heard you the first time, Other Chrissy responds under her breath. I think these are acceptance letters, and I think a little scared to open them. Her boyfriend, tall and wide, offers, Well, how's about I open one and you open one? Fine, pick one. I don't want to choose which one I open. He snags the top letter and rips it hastily open. With an eye roll, Other Chrissy slowly peels back the flap to the envelope and blazoned on the front with Old Miss. Before she can read the first line, she hears, We regret to inform you. Oh, I'm so sorry, Chrissy. She looks up, stunned and a little hurt. He opened her back up. Hesitant, she couldn't bring herself to look at the letter. He offers to read it for her, reaching out for the letter. No. She turns her back to him and looks down expectantly at the page. Congratulations. There were other words lauding her essays, test scores, and commending her on her activities in class and out, but she saw none of it. Over and over, she read, congratulations. She couldn't believe she was going to Ole Miss. The bottom of the letter informed her she also qualified for a full scholarship. Tears welled up in her eyes and ran fervently down both sides of her cheeks. I'm getting out of here. Huh? A summertime later, other crispy unloads the minivan full of boxes and bins and garment bags full of clothes, pens, pencils, CDs, and bedding. What felt like a hundred trips back and forth and up and down and in and out, she collapsed onto her floor, finally done with the move-in. She spent the next few days organizing her tiny dorm. Anticipating a roommate, she only ever decorated one side of the room. She kept completely to the left of the, uh, of the, to the left side of what looked like a strip of tape that went down the wall, along the floor, and up the door. If you looked closely enough, you could see gooey residue on the window pane. 
Sensing a remnant of the discord and enmity that existed in this room before her, she sets her headphones over her ears, plops down at the edge of her side of the room and saying softly, Who can say where the road goes, where the day flows, only time. <laughs> the words only time stuck with her. Inspired, she invested every free moment to a thesis, hinging on the idea that time heals all wounds. Years later, Mother Chrissy lifts the blinds to the window. The darkness of morning fills the room with a faint blue. The moonlight, bright in the sky above, reaches down and tickles her normally rosy cheeks. She turns from the window and sits down to paint with a little bit of moonlight peeking into her room as her only light source. She points over and over onto the canvas. The multicolored sand in the hourglass fills the bottom bulb. The colors change as the light of the sun fills the room. She's heard humming only time and Caribbean blue over and over as she paints. Of all the songs she has ever known, these are the two that remain at the forefront of her mind as she creates the pieces she uses during her sessions. Focusing her residency work in two areas, she has sessions primarily with young children and athletes who have suffered catastrophic injuries. She employs a system of creating imagery that speaks to the impermanence of suffering. Often, she encourages the athletes to paint themselves running from a broken clock or swimming in the sands of a life-size hourglass. With the children, she focuses on encouraging them, encouraging them to see that there is no measure of brokenness that lasts forever. That when our hearts and minds are healed, the circumstances of our pain can be addressed, and we do not have to be bound to that pain forever. She emphasizes with the children the use of negative space brings life to the emptiness of the page and implores them to see life as more than the sadness they feel then and there. Some time passes. Flipping through her binder of sketches and her collection of small paintings, she notices several pages are empty. Confused, she grabs a colored pencil labeled taupe and gently begins to rub it on the empty page. Her eyes close. She drags the pencil, horizontal in her hand, up and down the page, forming circles and squares and all manner of shapes. As she sketches, she can feel a bumpiness on the page as though she had done this before. She remembered the time she bought the ink that fades and is brought back by heat. She grabs a lighter and waves it at the underside of the, the, uh, the once blank page. She sees a self-portrait emerge under the shading she just laid down. She notices the shape of her face and the lines she drew just now display an image with a word embellished across the top. Mommy. Instinctively, she places her hand over her abdomen. She calls out into the ether, come to me, child. I hear you. Her mind is filled with the sounds of laughter and children giggling. I hear you. I haven't forgotten you. I will hold you and kiss you and love you one day. I will. She's reminded of the promises she made to herself to build a family no matter what. That she would provide a stability for children not yet conceived. They would be whole. She would be whole. Her internship is finally over. Her thesis is complete. She stares at the cap and gown hanging on her side of the closet. She never did get a roommate, but she was always ready for one. She lived for years with a half-decorated room, a half-filled closet, and a distinct line separating the two sides, hers and... She plops down in her favorite spot, the center of the room facing the blank wall and empty bed. She takes in a few deep breaths and slowly lets them out through pursed lips, creating a faint whistle. Changing the opening her, of her lips, she alters the tone of the whistle and finds the right notes. She forms a small smile and then, then begins to sing aloud. I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do ya? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift, the baffled king composing hallelujah. The end. You did make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, like, like, and, and really sooner than I thought you would. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. What did uh, What did you think? Um, it was kind of. It's strange mm -hmm. to imagine myself in those situations, just mm -hmm. even like going to a normal school. Right. <laughs> And all that, and I mean, there was one part where my heart, you know, you you, you said something. It took me a minute to, you know, mm -hmm. realize what you were saying, and I was like, you know, it, my, um, 
don't know. I, I feel like I need to sit with it. Okay. We I can feel like it. I need to reread it and sit with it. And okay. I love the the pictures that I got in mm-hmm. the room, you know, when you're mm-hmm. talking about the dorm and the the artwork and the emotional art. Oh my gosh. And the, you know, getting to work with people, you know, with, with the trauma and mm-hmm. the, um, you know, because you think, or, or I do, I mean, I have wondered, mm-hmm. you know, what if, yeah, I, ha- I don't know that I've played out any particular scenario like that. So that was mm-hmm. sweet. I thought it was funny how you talked about when you called me tiny like three times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, I said, I have four kids now. Yeah. <laughs> With tiny when we, when we knew each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I just imagine that anyone that's not six feet now was like, three or four feet until they were 18 and that's when they grew up finally <laughs> well, I, I was five foot one and a hundred pounds i mean it's yeah. at that point anyway yeah. oh when you said something about the um the the you know becoming a mom and all that i mm-hmm. actually had a, a piece that i did I, I always i called it an art journal did we talk about that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Art journal? Oh, okay um and i had one that i had made with a baby when i had waited for my third child which our second set of kids it took mm-hmm. me 6 years to get her mm-hmm. so many years so much like is this ever going to happen i would get jealous of other people mm-hmm. sometimes or yeah. angry or why did she get another one she didn't even you know yeah. want to have another child or whatever but i had a piece like that and that reminded me of that yeah because it was before you know I, I got her and I tell her all the time now I waited for you I waited for you mm-hmm. it's so hard but you are if I if it hadn't taken so long and I hadn't gone through what I did it wouldn't have been you yeah it was supposed to be you yeah so, anyway beautiful beautiful right on I'm glad you dug it um knowing who you were then um do you think you would have been able to wait to start a family or do you think getting out of where you grew up uh, would have been would have made it possible for you to delay starting a family and getting into work and kind of pursuing uh, that sort of thing? I mean, or, I just always wanted that, mm-hmm. and I'm sort of um, when I want something, I think of all the ways I can make it happen <laughs> and all yeah. plan A, B, C, and D, and, yeah. and that's what I want. And it's still. It's, I'm so happy that, that I, they're, one of them's coming in right now, mm-hmm. the number three that I waited six years for. I go back outside right now. Oh, she has to get a balloon out of here. Okay. Um, Who is that? It's Mr. Daniel. Come, yeah. come on. Come on. You just have blown up balloons in cabinet drawers? <laughs> I mean, there are toys everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. You were saying that if there was something that you wanted, you do everything you can to to get it to make it happen. Uh-huh. Right? So do you you think you would have just gone straight well, I mean, for that, or that's something you know that requires the cooperation of someone else, you know, to some degree. But True. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. Um, I mean, unless it just hadn't ever worked out, mm-hmm. you know, like with another person, I think I would have remained open to it right um but i tend to you know i mean i don't know maybe something could have happened in life that made me change my mind mm-hmm. that's what would have probably made me wait is if i changed my mind gotcha. if i changed my mind or if my situation some for some reason just sort of barred me from experiencing that or just sent me a different way gotcha okay Okay. Um, did I remember your ex-boyfriend? He has a dimple, right? If I remember correctly, he has a small dimple. I don't <laughs> I feel I feel like in my mind when I like when I pull up his face, there's like a there's a small dimple on one side of his mouth. I think. I mean, if there is, it's not one of the round ones. It's one yeah, of yeah. the ones. It's like a super, I feel like it's a super tiny one just off the crease of the. Oh, no, I, I think you're I right. Remember. I don't remember. I don't like, I, I think uh, it, it doesn't really matter. I was just like, oh man, if I got that right, that would be great. That would be great. <laughs> um, I remember we had talked about music that you loved. Um, 
did you used to like just listen to Enya and stuff or would you were you one of those people that had to sing when she heard her favorite songs not when I would would be working on something not with art and and okay. I, I would just sort of enter into this place where and, and that I think that's one of the reasons I liked Enya is that it was sort of there aren't as many words or if there are words they're repetitive you know yeah. I don't really like to talk when I'm there. I, I love and um, to work with people where mm. they're, you know, I can feel their energy in the room and they're there with me, but I'm mm. not necessarily going to have like a conversation. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I can dig that. I can dig that. Um, was, was there anything in here that you were surprised that you connected with in this story? Um, I was surprised that I connected with. I don't know. I feel like I need to read it again a few more times because I was sitting and I was, I was kind of nervous when you were reading it mm-hmm. and then excited. And then also like, Oh my gosh, please don't let one of my kids come in here until he's finished. <laughs> <laughs> so I really feel like I want to, you know, mm-hmm. do we, would you email it to me? Of course. At yeah. some point? Yeah. I'd, yeah. Love to I'd be more than happy it. to send it to you. More than happy to send it to you. Um, okay. Okay. Um, was there anything glaring that was just like way off the mark? Like that I think I would never do? Yeah. Or were you like, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like me or I, I can't see that happening, you know, or whatever. Um, I would have decorated the whole room. Oh, you think so? Okay. Yes. Because I like things to be finished. Okay. That's fair. Uh, at what point would you have done, uh, worked on that? After the first couple oh. weeks when you didn't have your roommate yet, you would have just been like, okay, this is mine now. I probably, if they didn't show up on time, I would have immediately have started, you know, formulating <laughs> a plan B. Gotcha. Okay. Or, you know, if I get a different kind of, if I, if I do end up getting a roommate, if I end up getting more than one, or if I, if they don't end up coming at all, maybe I'll, you know, I would have, I tend to think mm-hmm. toward the future and there's a child whispering at me. Sorry, I had to open a drink. That's all good. It's all good. Um, okay. Okay. Um, what would what, what kind of what would Plan B look like then? If a roommate never came. Yeah, you said you immediately start working on a Plan B with. No, I would have wanted a roommate. Yeah. I mean, at least at that point, because I didn't know what they were like yet. Mm-hmm. But I don't like to be alone. Like I do like to be to have some alone time. Mm-hmm. But I choose to have but Mm -hmm. i like to have to have somebody to help and to help me and just Mm. to you know i mean i had some really terrible experiences with roommates though did you you know the other side of that but goodness i mean i think there were six of us in a two-bedroom apartment with one bathroom at one point oh that sounds ideal yes and you guys were all like what 19 to 21 Uh, yeah yeah i was 18 (laughs) you were 18 okay so like 18 to 21 then Oh yeah, we didn't know how to deal with people with with other, you know. We were, but we had, you know, you have good moments too, and I have people I still am connected with from that time. But mm-hmm. that was too many people. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I lucked out. So our dorms on the other side, um, there was a two bed bunk and then a single bed, and uh, none of the uh, semesters I was there where there are three of us in a room, but they were meant to be three in like, mm-hmm. a, what is it? Like 10 by 16 or 10 by 18 dorm. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's no closet space. So essentially you were living out of a suitcase. Right. And if there, if there were three, then it's like one person has the two upper shelves on both sides and then one person has a bottom left few shelves. The other person has a bottom right few. So it was like really, really weird. Uh, mm-hmm. So I totally understand the idea of being ill-equipped to accommodate the people that live in the tiny space. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was very peculiar. And then like one bathroom. What was that? I, bed bugs. I oh. stayed in that. Building. You guys one. had bed bugs. Well, I had one in one of the girls' dorms, and then I stayed uh. in. The- uh, for a short time during YFN, which is the you you know the youth camp mm-hmm. that they yeah. do, and I got I had bed books in both. Oh my god! Did 
did you take bed bugs with you to the men's dorm? <laughs> That's probably what happened. <laughs> oh. oh man! No, luckily, not- luckily, I never got to experience the bed bugs. Oh my gosh, I would have lost my mind because I mean, mm-hmm. you're if there's bed bugs in one of those rooms, by the end of the week, there's bed bugs in like all of them, mm-hmm. all of them, and just remembering all the the ways that everybody was just constantly in each other's rooms, you know, like, Oh, Hey, you want to come hang out? And because there's not enough room for like a table and chairs or desk or whatever, you sit Mm -hmm. on each other's beds. Uh Right. That's, that's how you hang out. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying. I don't like that Mm -hmm. idea at all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Okay. Um, Let's see. I think we covered our, all of our bases. Is there is there anything else about this that you want to talk about? Anything in particular, or you feel like you're in a place where you got out what came to mind straight away, and otherwise you would need some time to like read it over and ruminate? Yeah, I think I think probably more will come out as I can sit and process it. Mm-hmm. I I really often need time. So just let the, you know, to let it sort of ferment or to ruminate or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. just um, process. Okay. That's Especially fair. when, because like, I know that this is being recorded. And so I feel like a certain amount of pressure to respond, which makes it harder for me to respond. So. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. If there's nothing else that's popping up, we can bring this episode of other you to a close i've had with me chrissy howell who is um certified in lots of things that involve wholeness and um naturalistic healing uh check out her website if you feel so inclined uh otherwise thank you very much for being here chrissy it has been a pleasure uh and please tell your kids that i think they're adorable (laughs) all of them running in and out uh so yeah Uh, It's been so great having you on. Uh, Everyone else, please come back next week for another episode of Weather You. Uh, Until then, I'm Dee. This is Chrissy. Bye-bye.